Good morning. Let's talk about um, communication and relationships with your teenager. I know a tricky subject. I'd like to talk a little bit about that ticking time bomb that is your relationship with your teenager. Um, I do have three teenagers, so am fairly well versed in how this can um, work or not work, as the case may be. So let's delve into it. So a couple of expressions that I'm sure you're familiar with. Uh, it isn't you, it's me. We're in different places now. I feel like I just need a little more room, maybe a break. These are all expressions that you maybe have used yourself or, or have heard or have heard of other people using when uh, you need to take a pause in a relationship, right? Well, as um, a parent, you don't get to say that to your kid. Even if you wish you could say them, you can't. Like it or not, you're in the relationship. Parents don't get to break up with their teens, even when the behavior that they are displaying is enough to make you maybe kind of sort of not like your teenager, even if you love them very much. There are days, you know, pretty much from the first minute they are awake that it is going to be a tough one. You can tell by the way their feet hit the floor that there will be attitude and you will be the one to pay the price. The price, price for what? It probably will never be determined. But regardless, a price. Teenagers are unpredictable, unwieldy, and unforgiving. Except when they aren't, and then they are lovely and friendly and communicative. If only there was some way to predict, to know what the day's personality would be like. If only there were a magic eight ball for teenage mood swings. More and more, we are learning about human interactions and relationships. One of the aspects of being human that most greatly impacts how we perceive and interact with our world is our attachment style. So we'll get into that rabbit hole in just a moment, but let, let me start with this. You, my friend, my fellow parent, my fellow parent of a teenager, are not at fault for your children's attachment styles. While your interactions with your child, your children, have certainly developed and created their attachment style, there are so many other factors that play a part of this too, such as birth order, gender, even genera generational norms. Our kids are their own people with their own temperament, their own experiences, and their own free will. All that being said, your teenager's attachment style is also hugely impacted impacting your relationship with one another. So it is an important factor and something to be familiar with. Our attachment styles shape the way we approach, communicate in, and interact with our relationships. It may even predict the quality and duration of those relationships. So it's a very important factor. The influence of attachment style spreads beyond that. It impacts the way we perceive ourselves, the way we cope with stress, the way we interact in various social contexts, even work, and most importantly, the way we feel about ourselves. 
If you are curious, there are sites online where you can learn more about your specific attachment style and what that might mean for your relationships. So that's just a little bit about attachment styles. One of the things that you'll read about when looking into attachment styles is the concept of misattunement. So misattunement, um, if you Google that, <laughs> that's a, another rabbit hole that you can dive down. But the bottom line is that misattunement is the idea that there, are, there exists a lack of rapport between the infant and parent or caregiver, such that the infant's efforts at communication and expression are not responded to in a way that allows the infant to feel understood. This is, again, not necessarily the fault of anyone. It has very much to do with attachment style. In actuality, though, it looks like misattunement is, is more like a mismatch between what the child is asking for, safety, security, etc., and what the parent is giving. Though the parent might not realize that they are not actually meeting the child's needs. And that's really important to understand. So again, there's a mismatch between what the child is asking for and what the parent is giving, though the parent may not realize this. So if misattunement persists, then the child is not going to be able to learn how to self-regulate and how to make sense of their emotions or how to appropriately communicate their needs. And they instead develop a self-defense mechanism that becomes a response of, um, quote unquote, needing less to the point where they themselves throw their own needs aside and seek only to assist others. They might label children who struggle with misattunement as, quote unquote, fussy, rather than getting curious about what's going on inside the preverbal child. A preverbal child can't say, hey, this is too much for me, or I'm scared right now. So instead, they, they don't learn those um, communications that would help to support their, their, their feelings and, their, and the, the best way to um, meet those needs. So as a child who continues through this sort of um, uh, perfect storm, have needs, needs not being met, as they become a teenager, that fussiness now starts to look like anger and discomfort. It looks like teenage angst, teenage anger. In today's world, we say this anger and angst is normal. Is it though? I mean, isn't there enough going on for teenagers without us characterizing them with negative qualities? That sweet kid is still in there. Let's remember too that teenage years are filled with two huge forces, hormones, which is like a tsunami of feelings and connections and all sorts of big emotions. And these hormones could probably alone fell a giant with the exaggerations of feelings and needs and emotions and synapses being pruned and all of these knowledge, everything coming all at once. And teenagers are also 
their teenage years are also filled with this need for peer approval, this, this overwhelming need for peer approval. This is the phase of growing when our kids are relying on the security of the relationship they have already established with us, you know, our ever, their ever-loving parents. And while they kind of put that in their back pocket as a security blanket, they go out to test the waters with new and uncertain relationships, perhaps with their peers or with other um, adults who they want to connect with. Peer interactions and peer approval and disapproval are forefront in their mind. I don't know about you, but for many, it can be hard not to feel a bit kicked to the curb as a parent who suddenly isn't the most important person in this person's life anymore. And it can happen really suddenly. You used to be the most important, and now your teenager's buddies and the potential relationship targets are the capital B biggies and most important. So let's talk for a second about attachment. The idea behind attachment is that there is a particular quality to that attachment that people, in this case, teenagers, have with their primary caregivers. There are different types, of course, that range from secure to disorganized, and these types are largely developed due to the attunements we talked about before. Generally, the attachment style a child develops with their caregiver during infancy typically continues for life and impacts their adult relationships and their own ability to parent, unless it is disrupted by some sort of intentional therapy. Attachment in the parenting relationships make, makes the job of parenting easier or more complicated. It's a lot easier to teach our kids and help them become healthy adults when they are attached to us and they understand that we are attached to them. Kids who are attached care about what their parents think. That is a very important factor of a positive attachment. Kids who are attached care what their parents think. A secure sense of attachment also makes our teens more likely to treat us with respect. It means fewer shouting matches and slam doors. And for our teens, parental attachment is a powerful protective agent against dangerous behaviors and mental disorders. And also very importantly, attached teens will turn to their parents when they have issues or problems rather than turning to their peers, many of whom may not be as knowledgeable. And certainly, wouldn't necessarily have their own best interests at heart. So this, this is all a lot of information and I understand that, but like, what is this, why does this even matter and what can we do about it? So first know this, if you feel like your teen is sliding away, if you are seeing and hearing a lot more anger and attitude, if you feel like the connection between you and your teen is feeble, you are probably right. Listen to your gut instinct. And you should also know that the only way that the connection can be revitalized is by hard work on your part. You, the parent, not your teenager. I know it doesn't seem fair, does it? But your teen has support as he or she sees it. 
peers are always going to be there. They are not seeking to reestablish an attachment with the adult they see as a negative force in their life. Again, I know it doesn't seem fair, right? Listen, I mean, some, sometimes you might be defined as the bad guy here, right? You say no. You make them do their homework. You take away their phone. You impose curfews. I mean, face it, you really are no fun. The person who most wants the connection knowingly is you. Your teen does too, I promise. They love you and need you more than ever, but they are just really, really, really bad at knowing it and at showing it. Let's talk a little bit about teenage interaction dues. So you can put these in your back pocket and pull them out when uh, you feel like your, your interactions maybe aren't that positive. So teenage interaction dues. Number one, be a good listener. If your teen is willing to share something, anything at all, accept it for the precious and rare moment that it is. Your rule of thumb, listen twice as much as you speak. Again, listen twice as much as you speak. When your teen is speaking, tune in to what they are saying. Don't just wait for a pause so that you can say your piece too. Actively listen to what your teen is saying and repeat, repeat back to them what you heard so you can be certain that you heard exactly what they are trying to tell you. I once heard this described as headline listening, which means you are actively listening to what they have to say and then respond or sum up with a headline for their story. Be open to their opinion, even if it is different than your own. Remember, you are not in the parenting business to create a mini-me, right? In fact, you should applaud them when they have taken the time to form their own opinions, especially if it is a well-thought-out argument. Your kids are smart. Listen to what they have to say. They are also so much more aware of the world than we were at that age, thanks to that darn device that they always have in their hand. But remember, too, some of their sources of information may not necessarily be the most sound. So it's worth a discussion. Number two, respect his or her privacy. If she sees that you understand her need for a private phone call and a closed bedroom door means I need privacy and you respect that, she may be more willing to share more of her inner world with you. Understanding that someone is respecting you is very important. Make sure that you have firm limits on spending too much time behind closed doors, however. Number three, give your teen increasing autonomy. If he believes that you trust his judgment and understand his need for growing independence, he is more likely to talk with you when the real issues arise. Don't treat your teenager like a five-year-old. Number four, accept all of your teen's feelings as long as they are respectfully conveyed. Every person has the right to their own feelings. And if they will let you, you can talk about your feelings and theirs. Almost nothing is as important to your teen as feeling heard, understood, and accepted by you. Number five, this one is so, so important. Apologize when you are wrong and accept responsibility. Often kids who shut down emotionally have the tendency to not trust their feelings or their judgment. 
When you say sorry, you're not only role modeling that mistakes are okay, you're also taking responsibility for your actions. Do not blame others for something that you had a hand in maybe causing or bringing about. People who own their own actions generally have a higher degree of self-efficacy and a sense of self-worth. This is an important lesson for your kid. Number six, keep your comments brief. Schedule a time to talk about unappealing topics such as homework and don't catch your teen on the fly. Tell them you want to talk to them about, insert subject here, and then see when they have time for that conversation. Sure, you can add that as it, that it has to be insert timeline here, but let them mentally prepare for that conversation. Do not just jump on them the minute they wake up, walk in from school. Focus on what she got right before offering constructive criticism. Try, if you can, go for five compliments or five positive statements for every criticism. And don't just give positive comments on, for example, their appearance. Make them comments about qualities that are actually innate to their personality and self. Number seven, find things to do together. Maybe your team is into gaming or um, cooking or sport, and maybe they will let you have a turn. Maybe they like a particular activity that you can take part in. Make the time to do it with them. Let them teach you a few things. Let the tables turn and let them be the instructor. Number eight, if you can, return to a family dinner situation as often as you can. I know this sounds ridiculous. You're busy, you're all busy. I know your kids have a lot of homework and sports and would rather be with their friends. I also know that when you make time for them, that deliberate action will be noticed. The more your teen and all of your kids realize how important they are to you and how deliberately making time for them and respecting their timelines by scheduling things with respect to their own plans, this will really resonate and this the more likely they will be to respond positively to your interactions. Number nine, consistency is very, very important. You can't just be there to parents some of the time. As a parent, you have to be present and available all of the time. Parenting is a 100% full-time job. Number 10, Finally, even as my kids are older and embracing all things teenager, I find that routines help to ease a lot of parenting and teen angst. Yes, I know routines, the same sorts of things that we used to use when they were little, are really actually very helpful as they grow older. For teenagers, knowing what to expect, knowing the parameters wherein one can operate, knowing the boundaries, this is all helpful. And when kids know their limits and aren't constantly wondering just how far they can go or how far they can push, they can enjoy that freedom. Even better, they won't hear no as often. So that's a win-win for all involved. Kids who grow up with regular routines and boundaries do better in school and are better with unexpected changes. So for example, all of those international moves that we like to do as often 
as we do being expats and diplomats. Regular routines and boundaries help kids be better with these unexpected changes and they end up being less stressed because they know what to expect. No one, regardless of age, likes to live with a bunch of unknowns. So just a few teenage interaction don'ts. I always like to have more do's than don'ts. So some don'ts. Number one, avoid lecturing, nagging, and guilt trips. These are negative communication tools. None of them are effective. And actually, as a side note, this applies to interactions with all human beings, not just teenagers. Number two. Don't disclose the confidences your teen has shared with you. If you burn this bridge, he may or may not risk offering you his intimate thoughts and feelings again for quite some time. Do not disclose those confidences. Number three, refrain from asking questions. And I know it, that might feel like a really odd suggestion, but if instead of saying, why are you 15 minutes late getting home? You say, I noticed you miss your curfew by 15 minutes. This is a subtle, subtle difference, but basically you're pointing out a fact. And it, noting a fact will make your comment seem less invasive and will trigger a less volatile response. Number four. Don't throw in the towel when your teen acts out and tests every interaction with you. It is very, very normal that they will rebel and push because they will want to ensure that you really, really are there for them. It will feel like a personal attack, I know, but know that it is more about them than about you. If you need to, take a time out for both of you and regroup and let them know what to expect with that regrouping. And then it will help them to mentally plan and, and emotionally be ready for that conversation. And number five, it will be really, really hard, but don't compare what they're going through or doing with what you did at that same age. That will not do anything more than further the gap in your communication. You at that age that your teenage teenager is now, you were in a very, very different situation. You at that age compared to your teen at their current age is like comparing apples to oranges. Yes, both fruit, but very, very different fruit. What you experienced is not at all the same. You can share stories of your teenage years, but don't imagine that what you went through and maybe that the solutions that you found can be applied to your teenager's current situation. So I know this sounds like a lot of rules for communication, and I know it's a lot of, to remember, but I also know that, yes, okay, your teens are still gonna act like little monsters some of the time, but the more you are there for them and the more you help them to understand how important they are to you and how much you care, the less often that monster will make its appearance. And instead, you'll have your sweet kid back.
Maybe just don't beat them at their favorite PS5 game. Thanks for listening. It's been really fun to share these thoughts with you. Looking forward to sharing more thoughts with you. See you next time on Big Purple Blob.